With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond takes a handoff right to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Folks, welcome back to Vila Cats, the Cincinnati podcast representing the 1012 Network. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we cover all things Bearcats every single week in our live reviews on Twitter Spaces, as well as our weekly episodes. So make sure to catch us everywhere that you can on all those platforms. We'd really love it if you could share some of our stuff. We went to Provo, uh, and now we're back. <laughs> Um, that was quite an experience and we can go into a lot of detail, but Steve, give us the highlights. Yeah. I mean, I got to meet a bunch of great BYU fans really enjoyed getting a chance to be able to interact with them. Like, obviously, you know, you kind of think, okay, these people can't be as nice as they say they are. No, even nicer. Like everybody was coming up to us. Couldn't be more nice. Like I, I was just, you know, I was a little bit upset after we lost, obviously, but I don't know. Everybody was so kind, giving compliments, saying we played hard. And man, you know, I, I don't know if that's their like, you know, killing them with kindness thing, but you know, it, it, it's really, uh, it's really genuine though. Like they're very kind people welcoming. And I would recommend to anyone, not just Bearcats fans, but anyone, maybe not Utah, but anyone else that is in the current or future big 12 to make a trip to Provo, you won't regret it. That's very true. I, I I could mirror all the things you've said. I think the biggest highlight is just how much fun of an atmosphere that was. Yeah. Um, again, you know, I think this will be the last time we'll shout them out for now. We're going to shout out lot 18 because they made sure that we had a good time. If you go to Provo, 
Let them know. Find somebody from Lot 18 and hit them up. They will take care of you. Uh, they will make your school's food too. Like yes, my brother was able well. to enjoy some <laughs> skyline there. So like they they will take care good care of you. Yeah. Um, and, and so again, that trip I think was a lot of fun. Um, again, we would definitely recommend it. But as far as the game, uh, which is what we're really here to talk about, not great, Scoob. Um, there have definitely been better uh, circumstances for the Bearcats uh, through five weeks. Um, this is not one of them. This is the first time the Bearcats have started off two and three in a long, long time. Um, and, and so it's a bit of uncharted territory as of recent. Um, and this is going to be, you know, I, th- I think it's going to be something that we're going to have to learn to adjust to. Um, and that doesn't just come with, you know, losing your expectations of playing well. I, I think it's just an expectation of playing in a good conference. And I, I think the biggest thing that I could hit on this for this week, um, the weeks going forward, honestly, the entire season um, is this, that teams aren't like what they were in the American. They will find a way to take advantage of those opportunities that they give you and they will beat you down. And if you're not ready to take advantage of the opportunities they give you, which I think we have shown we are not, then it's going to be more of the same of what we've seen so far. And unfortunately, I, I think, you know, every game has felt like the Bearcats have played pretty well, except for one, two, maybe three plays that get out of hand. And then that's the game. And, and so that happened against Miami that happened against Oklahoma. And that happened this weekend against Provo uh, <laughs> against Provo university against BYU. Um, and so I, I think that's going to be one of those key things is it's, it's going to be about perfection and execution. And I think until we really see that um, on all facets, it's going to be hard to take care of them. Well, and here's the thing too, Justin, I think I was a little bit upset, um, you know, on, uh, on Friday night, because this is my first time seeing the Bearcats play football live and in person since the 2021 uh, conference championship game. So, you know, um, it's been a while. And then I've, you know, I left on that high note and then, Obviously, I've been watching all the games. It's been, you know, it's kind of been what we expected a little bit, maybe a couple things here and there that we wish could have gone different. But in reflection, Justin, I mean, there's a lot of still a lot of positive people on the Twitter space on on the like on the app. I think there's a lot of people that are you know realizing this is a tough conference. I just think it was always going to be tough for fans like me who really enjoyed the last four or five years under, you know, the coach that's at Wisconsin now and kind of wanted to keep that rolling. And maybe that wasn't realistic. Maybe that was, you know, it was probably bad of me to just think, yeah, like we can be good. And I I do think we have the talent. I do, you know, like credit to the coaching staff for getting the talent. I just think there's a couple things that can, we can fix, but here's what I'm going to say, Justin, here's my spin zone. We could have gotten blown out of these games. Like, uh, I mean, I don't think Houston's gotten blown out, but they have not looked entirely competitive in their first two games. A couple of double-digit score losses. We, on the other hand, you know, Oklahoma, they, they took care of business last week against Iowa State at home, but holding them to 20 is pretty good for an offense that had otherwise scored 50-plus points in every other game. It, it, it had, well, SMU. And then, you know, BYU going on the road Friday night. Like, everybody was there, too. Tough environment, but... I think just the fact that we were so close in these games, I can kind of see both sides. I see the people that are like, we always knew it was going to be tough. I also see the people are like that we should, we can be playing better. 
And I agree. I mean, I think we could still play better while acknowledging. I think these these sides. I don't. I haven't really been on Twitter much, but I I don't know if these sides are fighting really. But I think everybody can just kind of come together over this bye week and say, you know, it's tough. New conference, new league, but there are some things that we feel like we're pretty close on, and that if we just improve on those, it can look a little better over the next few weeks. Maybe this bye week is coming at the right time where you're able to do some corrections, fix some things, and then get back to. Hopefully, another good game on uh, next Saturday against Iowa State. Yeah, and that's a good point too. I think the biggest thing here is just we're gonna have to learn to. Um, it, it's gonna ha- we're gonna have to take advantage of some of these situations. We're gonna have to take advantage of you know some teams that might not be that great coming down on our schedule, like Iowa State, like Baylor. Um, have proven to be. And and I think for us, the most important thing to pay attention to as we go through the rest of the season is just sort of managing expectations Um, because there is a bit of a divide. And I, I do agree that there are some points where you can argue that we should be far better than we are. And there are some points where you can argue this was the expectation. I mean, two and three going into, you know, the bye week isn't optimal, but it's still one game off of expectation. You know, you that, expected to beat Miami, you expected to beat EKU, but Pitt, Oklahoma, and BYU, many people chalked up to a loss at the beginning of the season. So if you're there, I mean, I think you're probably okay with where we're at and you're just kind of upset that we haven't found a way to finish. But if, you know, you were expecting four and one or five and oh, you're going to be disappointed and you should be disappointed because well, and you shouldn't have myself, had that expectation. Yeah. And I'm going to put myself at blame here, Justin, because uh, I've been, um, it's mostly been you that's been running the uh, Viva the Cats Twitter account. Go follow us there if you're not already. But um, so I've been taking, I've uh, not taken over. I've been like adding a few things here and there during the season. And um, I kind of blame myself for just asking the question if we were one of the good teams in this league after the first two games, obviously FCS win and then Pitt who just lost on the road to Virginia tech. Um, Maybe those two wins aren't the strongest, but after the first two weeks were kind of, it seemed like the rest of the good teams in our league and the teams on our schedule were really kind of crumbling around us. I kind of just had the idea that maybe just maybe we could have been better. And then, Obviously, you know, that kind of went away after Miami a little bit. But um, I, I do think that, like I said, there's chance to fix things, get better. And, you know, I don't want to say, like, we should eat humble pie and just go back. Because I like when we're boisterous. I like when we're loud. I like when we're fighting with UCF fans over which the, the 21 team or the 2017 team, which of our teams was better. Uh, hey, nice game for UCF, by the way. I saw that. We, we Don't worry. We saw that still. That's big, one of the biggest oofs of the season probably will be the biggest oof of the big 12 this season. Yeah. And uh, let's just make sure that Baylor doesn't do that to us. So <laughs> I want to yeah. be able to hold that over them, but you know, but anyway, Justin, you asked some of the people on Twitter today, how they're feeling, you know, some of their, their grades, some of their report cards. And I'm interested to hear, this is a people's show. We are, we are fans. We're not, uh, analysts or commentators, we are still fans of the Bearcats, and I want to hear from you, Justin, what the fans think so far. Yeah, so um, I figured that this week of all weeks would be a perfect week to add the bi-week report card. This week, 
we want to just figure out where people are sitting because we've heard so many different opinions. Um, and, and I think overall, the easiest way to do that is to just give you a grade sheet. So um, basically grade A through F, the Bearcats defense, offense, special teams, coaching, potential, and then your preseason slash current grade. Um, and then any other questions or comments. So I, I think the biggest thing here is really just trying to figure out where people's expectations were and if they are currently matching that or if they exceeding it or if they, you know, are a little bit behind. And so we had a handful of responses here, but um, overall, let's I'll uh, I'll pull this one. I, I think Nick had some good points in here. So I'm going to use Nick's uh, at Nick Bauer and our Bauer. Um, he said, this is what's so frustrating. 90% of the time, all of these grades are a B plus at worst. And then 10% of the time, it's an F. And I think he hit the nail on the head there. Um, it's true because when you get to, you know, when you, when you get to like any point in these games and you look back at them after the final whistle, you're like, wow, I think the Bearcats played a great game. Everybody else would tell you the Bearcats played a great game. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, we lost by like 15 points. We lost by like 14 points. What happened? And so I, I think that's sort of the bewildering thing here um, for specific specifics. His grades were uh, a B minus for defense, noting too many big scores, which I agree. Um, B minus you need to score points. Also can agree with that um, special teams, the muff punt blocked field goal. Um, some two big crucial mistakes over the past few games, which is very true um, for coaching a B minus. Uh, potential and a, so overall a C plus. Um, and, and I think if I were to look at some of these overall grades or the preseason to current, pretty much everybody has said their preseason idea was a B or a C is how they would grade it. And where they're currently sitting is a C plus C or C minus. Um, and, and I think that that kind of reigns true. I think we would probably agree with that. This is by far not the most stellar season that the Bearcats have had. Uh, we are not uh, able to really get a grasp of exactly what all this season will entail quite yet, but I think we've had a bit of a preview, unfortunately, of what we might see of some of the season. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, they come out of the bye week and can figure some things out. Um, I, I remember using the specific words, God forbid you lose to BYU and well, we lost to BYU. Uh, and so now we're sitting here at two and three, and we're still trying to figure this thing out. Um, I'm going to read off a couple more of these. Uh, I'm just going to kind of like combine some of these uh, for defense. We've got a C, C plus, a B, secondary, uh, D, D line B. Those, uh, you know, I think some people were kind of interested there. Um, and I'll throw some of this together in a graphic too to kind of make this better. But defense, more often than not throughout a lot of this has been a B um, offense, C minus B minus D plus D plus <laughs> quarterback, running back, wide receiver, O line. That's all split up there, but um, another C or two in there as well. So I think a lot of people are kind of mixed on the offense and that I think is to be expected with the outputs that we've had um, and the inability to help our defense out. Um, and, and, you know, I think this is sort of one of the frustrating things is because you come out of last season and you're like, all right, we were holding American teams to like 
anywhere between 20 and 30 points, or we were holding them under 20 points. And then you get to the big 12. And so far, you know, BYU scored 35. One of those you can't even attribute to the defense because it was the offense's fault. It was a pick six. So automatically you're at a 27 point game or sorry, 28. Good math there. Um, And then, you know, if you look even further, one of those is a muff punt that gives them situation at the, uh, you know, within the 10 yard line. So now that's another seven points that you could potentially take off the board. Um, and, And of course, you know, that's not great for the defense, but what can you expect inside the 10 yard line? Somebody's going to put points on the board. Um, and so I think when you look at that, we've really been able to hold a lot of these teams to 20 points. It's just our offense like last year. Can they keep up? Can they help out our defense? Can they score enough to put us on top at the end of the game when your defense is actually doing their job? And I, I think that's really where the struggle has been so far this season and will continue to be. Um, special teams is pretty much, a B minus across the board. Um, nothing really specific there. I, I think uh, Carter Brown has been a really solid addition other than that block kick, which honestly, I don't think you can even blame the kicker there. I think the guys jumped the line by the time that he even got to the ball. So uh, that's, you know, that one block kick is not going to be a black mark on his season because he's definitely done a fantastic job thus far and a major improvement over last year as well. Um, and then, kind of to round this off um coaching is I, th- I think people are actually a bit lighter on the coaching than i would have expected i thought a lot of people would have been a little bit more aggressive when it comes to that we've got a few d's in there but pretty much everyone else has been a b or like a c plus um and, and i think that that's probably fair i think there's definitely been some play calling things that have really you know thrown some wrenches in there but i think a lot of people pulled off of Satterfield pulled off of the coaches after the BYU game, because then you kind of saw immediately it's like, all right, the game plan is working. Um, And this is one thing that I really wanted to write about this week and I might still do, but if you look at what Satterfield's game plan is, he wants a balanced approach and he wants to be aggressive and he wants to put yards on the board. And he has done that offensively, defensively, the defense has done their job you know, 500 plus yards of offense and pretty much 50, 50 split down the middle between running and passing. You have all of that on the board. And yet all of a sudden, you know, (laughs) you have a, you have a pick six and uh, you know, a muffed punt. Like those things are out of a coach's hands, a coach, you know, it doesn't matter what you do, like special teams that can go back on coaching there, but a muffed punt just happens sometimes. And that was a sticky situation. A pick six, you can train to get a little bit better of an eye, but you know, I still a coach is not in the, on the field at that point. So I think what his game plan has been, has worked. It's just getting that extra conversion. I think if he was converting those extra points, a, we're winning these games and B, you know, I don't think anybody's going to have any gripes about Scott Satterfield because we're winning these games. Um, yeah. And yeah. then overall potential, I think has just been pretty much a B across the board, B or a for the rest of the season. So there's our report card. <laughs> Yeah. So here's, um, and I don't want to belabor that too much. I pretty much agree with you on, on that. Um, here's just the thing that I've noticed. Um, it's just like, it just seems like there's an, a lack of explosive plays, um, for, for the offense, you know, it's a lot of chunk yardage. It's a lot of, you know, six, five, six, eight, ten. you know, which is good for sure. But I just, 
you know, it's not really as much about the explosive plays. Like right now on plays of 20 or more yards, we are against F because against all everybody, we're pretty high. But if you take out that EKU game, we're tied for 38th with only 21 explosive plays over 20 yards, only six of over 30. So, and you know, there's only one play of 40, 50 or 60 each. And I think that's the Corey Kiner run from the pit game. So, you know, it's it's hard, obviously, to come by those explosive plays, um, but it's it's just something that we've been giving up too many of them, and we're not able to throw that big punch back. Like, you know, that jailbreak, uh, just toss up a ball, and then BYU scores on that long pass play. You know, the there was defenders on Keaton Slovis, and he just got that ball out just in the nick of time, and then you know, we weren't able to catch the man who caught the ball. And, you know, obviously, you know, you, that, that pick six and the muff punt, um, which I will push back a little bit on that. That should be coaching a little bit, Justin, because, you know, at some point balls bouncing over your head, you should know, okay, I just got to get away from it. I understand he was probably trying to save some yards and not start at the one yard line, but I think, you know, just, just keeping the ball is, obviously most important in that situation. So, um, you know, I would probably stay around that B minus C range for us. Um, I do think that there's some ways that they could be overachieving that they're not able to right now. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't think like just, I don't really think Pitt is that bad of a team, but they're one and four and we're two and three and we beat, ended up beating them by three points. So, you know, it's, like, I don't want to, I think I got to probably start taking that out of, you know, how I felt and then just take into account like the last three games. And it, it's just a little bit frustrating because we know, I think we know the talent is there and it's just a little bit like just, just hard, you know, right now, obviously after we, like I said, last game I was in person for was that awesome game against Houston. Defense was great. Offense was great. And I've been watching all the games. Like I said, it was just a little bit hard for me to be there in person and, and see that. And I believe me, folks, I've been in the building for some bad Bearcat losses. I was there for 51 to three against USF. I was there for that UCF game. Like most of the bad losses at the end of the Tuberville era and the start of the fickle era, buddy, I was there for, uh, so I'm no, no stranger to that, but I just hadn't seen in a while. I think that's all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for reference, my last game that I watched was uh, the one that really s- just ended the era, uh, the two lane game at home last year. Uh, so that one was fun. So I've seen two straight losses in a row now. Um, and before that, I had not seen a game in a while. So it is kind of it does kind of suck, you know, when you put your time and your money in and then, you know, Sometimes all you get out is just a big fat L, but you also have to look at the rest of the experience and it is a lot of fun. Um, So don't get caught up if you're sad about a loss. Remember, it was worth the money still. It was fun, even if it's a loss, as long as you don't get blown out by like, you know, 30. Uh, (laughs) Report cards aside, um, I think, you know, like I said, we've, we've got a lot to look forward to still for the rest of the season. I don't think it's quite a wash yet. Um, you know, we're only five games in, you, you still got a handful left. You've got a lot of winnable games on the schedule. Um, I, I think you have opportunities against, you know, 
Baylor and Iowa State coming up that look like two very beatable teams. You also have UCF, who now also looks like a beatable team a little bit more than maybe we expected. Um, and, you know, again, all three of those are at home. And then aside from that, you have West Virginia, Kansas, and Houston on the road. Again, all, you know, three of those teams, I think, are also very beatable. I think what hurts the most for a lot of Bearcats fans you look at where the season has gone so far. This is the point that you are going to take advantage of your schedule early. If you were going to take advantage of your schedule, we have the easiest strength of schedule out of anybody in the big 12, but the hardest games came at BYU and came at home against Oklahoma. And those two ones, you really want to take advantage of the Miami one, of course, just sucks, but you wanted to take advantage of that early bit of your schedule because if you can win those, you can run. You can run real fast through the rest of your schedule. And I think that's where our upside is. Again, like you have so many winnable games left that you can't just be out. And, and if you are out, you're I don't know why you're listening to us because <laughs> you're really not a true Bearcats fan if you're out after five games. You got to be watching all these and you got to be really in for it. And it's going to be tough under a first year, under – Scott Satterfield, but I think there, like I said, there's still a lot of upside and there's a lot of promise left. We've seen all of the flashes. Now we just need to go from the first whistle to the final whistle and try to stay clean and try to not get taken advantage of like we have been so far. So and if you're out on football the- season, we're about to talk basketball. So yeah. <laughs> Hey there, folks. We just want to take a quick break to share this message from our friends over at Charlie Hustle Clothing Co. Now, these guys bring the heat all winter long. They give you many, many options for the fall football season, as well as going through the basketball season through winter. They're comfortable. They're cozy. They have plenty of vintage options for over 30 different schools, cover just about all of the Big 12. And there's a wide variety. So if you want to do some shopping for that cousin or aunt that you might not have something for, or maybe your grandpa needs a new Iowa State t-shirt or something like that, go check out charliehustle.com. That is www.charliehustle.com and use the promo code from our network, 1012, that is 101515, 101215 to get 15% off of all non-sale items from Charlie Hustle. And remember, if you want vintage and you want it fresh, you're going to get it from Charlie Hustle. Thank you. Yeah, the, we're we're in a point now where um we we've hit October. This is our first official October podcast, so um it's it's almost basketball season. We're we're getting really close. Um and I think the best way to kind of highlight that of course we did have the schedule that released recently. Um but Wes had his uh presser today where he kind of overviewed some things. And I just want to sort of run through some of the things that he mentioned, I listened through the whole thing, a uh, quick 20 minutes, but he made some good points and um, it's just nice to have some updates. Of course, we're still waiting on the waivers for Aziz and Jamil. I think that is really going to determine how we feel going into even playing our non-conference cupcakes versus how we're going to feel, you know, looking at March from, you know, basically October. Uh, and, and so until we get those answers, I think it's going to be tough. One thing I did notice so he did talk a good amount about Jamil, not as much about Aziz, but specifically about Jamil. And 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm not going to say anything about like any player situation because I, I totally believe all of that. And, you know, players should be able to change stuff as much as they want because I firmly believe that. And I think the whole waiver rejection thing is fucking stupid. It's real dumb, but, and it's the coaches who did it. So yes, uh, and don't listen to any of those coaches who were complaining about it because they were the ones that wanted it. So Correct. please continue. But with the coaching changes um, at temple with coaching changes um, at whatever Utah, I can't remember where these came Utah from. Valley. We were just there. Utah Come on, Valley, Justin. Thank you. Also in Provo. Um, with, with the changes at those head coaching positions, I think they're going to have a bit of an advantage and that should hopefully keep them in the clear. Uh, we've seen that that isn't always going to be the case, but um, he did talk a lot about Jamil's sort of like mental improvements and the mental shift and why he came to Cincinnati. And I think that like that, not necessarily saying as an angle, but making that clear, I think from the coaching side, I think is really important too, because that shows that like, this is not just like, Oh, I want to go to another team, whatever. It's like, you need that mental clarity. You need that shift. You need to do what's good for you. And I really hope that the NCAA understands that and can really apply that to these situations because these guys really do need these changes. However, he did say specifically on Jamil um, that he made massive improvements in the off season um, and is really molding into a sort of like key player that they're going to need, which of course I think we all understand, which is why this is very important to us. But he said they lost 45 pounds, which is huge because Jamil, Jamil is a big guy for sure. Um, and he is definitely that bruiser down low, but I, I think the losing that much weight really quick just goes to show what the strength and conditioning program offers with Cincinnati, but also goes to show, um, what type of player Wes and Jamil want to have you know, both for himself and for the team. And so he said, he's got a lot quicker, um, more agile. He's really good. He's a really good passer. Um, and the way he's been trying to match him up, he's been trying to put him against guards as far as defense goes. And so if he can really mold Jamil into that, like five, you know, friend of the show, favorite Trey Scott, that's what I want. Like I, I, as much as we want the Shaq type, I really think having that player that can threaten you from the three that can guard every single position 
that is really nimble with the ball and has a dominant post presence and can do all of those things. That is the NBA mold. And that is really dominant in college basketball. You see it all the time. And so, so you, I thought you were going to say Quadri more, you know, because <laughs> dominant around the, the rim shoots three or Mamadou, honestly, you know, shoots threes. So no, I agree though. Um, Justin, I'm going to be uh, like our buddy Coomer real quick. Um, did, did he say anything about Aziz? Because it is interesting that he mentioned a lot about Jamil and pumped up Jamil a lot. If he did not say anything about Aziz. He really didn't. Um, it, I think there was a question specifically about Jamil, which prompted the more in-depth response um, versus like, you know, the question at the top, like first question, Hey guys, what's up? What's the dot? <laughs> you know, what's the information on a season Jamil's waivers? Like that was out the gate, but um, yeah. I think later on he went into detail because of the question. So. Okay. Well, th- okay. That's, that's good to know. Um, but it is kind of interesting though, that, if he was asked about Jamil, he didn't really say anything about Aziz either. Um, I'm just kind of pointing that out. Uh, that it, it's it's just interesting, you know. It's a point of emphasis that if he's not saying anything good or bad about Aziz, you know, that's. I mean, I wish I would have liked to hear something at least. So yeah, and and I think that you know there's going to be a lot more left, and so I mean I don't necessarily want to make something of nothing too. And so that's kind of where I think that angle is like, it's just really, it's just about pumping up Jamil. Um, and, and, you know, I think ultimately if we can get both of those guys down there, it's going to be really important. One thing he did mention, um, which specifically talking about you, the use of Jamil, the use of the players on the team is I, I think they're restructuring the team and rebuilding the roster in the way that they see fit to play, not only in the big 12, but to play the most amount of teams possible. Uh, and specifically, I mean by that, it, the way that they're structuring the team is to have lineups that you can interchange where you can have that short lineup or like that short and quick lineup. You can have that big and tall lineup. You can have that heavy bruiser type of lineup. You can have the really positionless, heavy forward, power forward, you know, stretch four type, you know, setup. You you can really vary a lot of your, um, you know, system approaches so that you can play and match what a team is throwing at you versus being stuck with one thing. And that's kind of where I see it. And I don't know if he's speaking specifically on like the live and die by the three kind of thing. Um, but that's the way I perceive it is because a lot of what we've seen so far from Wes has been, he has a system. It is a live and die by the three. There were a few other pieces that fit in there, but I think ultimately that system, of course, a very UNC type of system, a very Roy Williams type of system. I, th- you know, I think that now he's starting to, with the, not only the NIL and with the players that you can recruit into Cincinnati, he's starting to be able to build out the roster to really be a type of team that can match up, and that's really important because in the Big Twelve, you're going to face a lot of different teams that. You know, ultimately, <laughs> you're it, it might not be in the cards for you just playing that team strictly because of the way that you play basketball. And that we saw that a lot with a lot of the Mick Cronin teams where that heavily defensive team is fantastic for about 80% of the American teams. But then when you go play another big power five team, when you go play a Xavier who wants to shoot the lights out, wants to score 90 on you every game, you can't keep up. And so I I think if we can really try to vary our approach game by game, I think that's going to be super crucial going forward. And and I think we're seeing some of that. 
Well, um, and we saw too that he just uh, Mick would build his roster specifically to get through Big East play, but then yep. obviously we had so many early exits because we were not built, like you said, to play other conferences. So yeah, yeah I I definitely get that. And then obviously playing Kansas this year, playing Arizona next year, you're gonna and like. Uh, I think Colorado has a better, a good program incoming too. There's a lot of good teams that we're about to play, and we're about to get a whole another level. Yeah, yeah. And the last last few points on this, um, he did highlight that CJ has been pretty healthy, uh, which is good because apparently CJ has not actually been able to participate in offseason practices for like a long time, um, and and so he's already been able to work over the summer, and so that's good to get him mixed in there. Um, and of course, you know, also noted with Day um, Day and Jizzle not necessarily having the D one experience um, you know, he's going to try to be getting them up to speed, but at the same time, you also do have from Seamus, the ability to have somebody who can play a tall point guard kind of situation. The sort of like Ben Simmons type thing where you have a really, really oh, no. tall point guard. We're not talking specifically about Ben Simmons. I'm talking about the build at the point guard position, a LeBron James. Is that better at the point guard position? A guy who can pass and shoot the ball. Um, and, and so I, I think that's kind of one of those situations where, it, again, you could look at that tall lineup and you could say, all right, well, we could throw three forwards in there. And then on top of that, we could put Seamus at point guard and then have, you know, our tallest shooting guard in there. Next thing you know, you have an average height for your lineup at like six, seven versus what I think a lot of this team is going to have with Day Day and Jizzle and our shooting guards. You're going to be looking more at like a six, five. You know, and so that I think that balance is going to be really important to be able to match up with some of these tall, really, really heavily basket emphasized um, Big 12 teams. So we've talked a bunch on that. Um, that really covers everything from football through basketball. Again, I think our non-conference schedule looks pretty um, interesting. I, I, I think it's going to be fairly winnable. We'll see how all that materializes. I think it's going to, again, hedge on a lot of those players. Bearcats I can do it, baby. Here we go. I I just drank an energy drink accelerator. Not really, but here we go. Ready? Three, two, one. Soccer team. They drew at BYU, number six BYU on Thursday. Unfortunately, lost to Texas Tech on Sunday. They will host both Oklahoma State and Oklahoma this weekend at Gettler. Do the Oklahoma double soccer team. Let's get those doves. Volleyball defeated K-State three and three three one on Saturday and will play at TCU Friday and Saturday. Women's golf competed at K-State on Monday and Tuesday. Men's golf, they head to Houston on Monday and Tuesday next week for Big 12 match play. Uh, tennis, Bearcats won six singles and one doubles match in the Hoosier, Hoosier Classic this weekend. They are hosting the Pam Whitehead Invitational this weekend. Swim and Dive starts their season with the Red Black Meet this weekend at Keating Natatorium. And in hockey, they play a home-and-home this weekend with the Ohio Bobcats. So that's your quick little wrap-up of Bearcat sports. Go ahead and go out and support those teams they wear red and black just like football and basketball do, and they deserve your support just as much. Let's go. Let's go, baby. Well, Steve, thank you for running through that. Um, like I said, I, we've got a pretty short show for you this week. Um, we are going to have another one again for you next week with Iowa State. Of course, we won't have the spaces this weekend as there is no game to cover for football, um, but be on the lookout for some more content coming up. So thank you guys for listening this week. We really appreciate it. Um, and again, keep interacting with us, keep sending us some mailbag stuff, some questions. We love answering those and we're going to try to keep you more involved that way. So, uh, take it easy guys. Remember, Viva. Let's go. Sports Social Podcast Network.